Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. So that you can make the sound we broadcast as low as possible. crazy voice except it's you know yokai season here at the kaiju cast and i'm here joined by two very spooky individuals we have (laughs) (laughs) and robot rachel robot monster rachel i'm a robot This is the Kaiju Cast, the the Yo-Kaiju Cast, and uh, we are doing our Daikaiju discussion for this month, which is the Great Yo-Kai War, and if you can't tell, it's October, and uh, this is the (laughs) third episode of October 2015, and another Yo-Kai Spooktacular, and I'm really psyched because uh, this is actually something that we talked about, we sort of voted on, the three of us, Mm -hmm. we're like the judge, jury, and executioner. (laughs) (laughs) we we like to have fun here (laughs) anyway uh we are going to watch that movie which is going to be awesome uh but for the moment we have to crank the dial on the music machine to turn on the monster tunes. We're going to mash along with Akira Ifukabe. Monster mash. And the uh, the main theme from King Kong vs. Godzilla for Will. Will. 
And for those of you out there who love the music here on the show, we started things off with the main titles from King Kong vs. Godzilla by Akira Ifukube. That was a request from Will. Then Clancy wanted to hear Fu Manchu's live version of Godzilla. That's the Blue Oyster Cult's classic, which was followed by Mystery of the Roku Rokubi by Chumie Watanabe from Yokai Hyaku Managatari. And that was a request from Danny and a wonderful way to take us into our Daikaiju discussion because once again, creeps, <laughs> it is time for our Yokai Daikaiju discussion. Every so often, the Kaiju cast. <laughs> you can really do this. Uh, every month, the Kaiju cast watches one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, ensuring somewhat that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. And this month, we are watching the 2005 film from Katakawa Pictures called The Great Yokai War. It is a remake of sorts from the 1968 film known in Japan as Yokai Daisenso. Now, there is a huge difference between what came out in the 60s as The Great Yokai War with the Yokai Trilogy, and which is known here in the States as Spook Warfare, mm -hmm. for those listeners who may or may not have the uh, trilogy on DVD that was released by ADV Pictures. <clears throat> I digress. This movie was directed by, like, super famous Japanese uh, director, Takashi Miike. This was basically the next big thing in tokusatsu stuff right after Final Wars happened. So, uh, like, I specifically remember being super excited to find out about its production and I was super excited because I love the trilogy from the 60s, um, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but I love that trilogy that much. And seeing that they were going to do a remake of sorts and the fact that Takashi Miike was involved, it made me feel a lot better than when Kitamura was put in charge of Final Wars. Just uh, a year prior. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going to go watch the movie right now. And we'll be right back. We just got done uh, watching The Great Yokai War. Um, I had seen this before. What about you, Brian? I have never seen it before. Ooh, and Rachel, I'm assuming that means you've never seen it before either. That's correct. But we own the DVD. We bought it. Yeah. Any, <laughs> we bought it many years ago and never got around to watching it. So. Well, at least you uh, you saved your first viewing for the Kaiju Cast <laughs> screening and mm -hmm. uh, and Daikaiju discussion. So uh, I got to know, what did you guys think, Brian? I liked it. I thought it was cool. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan of the original three, and uh, I don't know why I never watched it. Like I said, I had it on DVD for all these years, but uh, yeah, I was I was very surprised. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Cool, cool. Rachel, initial thoughts? 
So many monsters. So many monsters. <laughs> so many monsters. Uh, <laughs> Rachel is still here. Uh, it was great. I it I, at one point you mentioned something about this is kind of like the cantina on Moss Eisley. Uh, or we oh yeah, I said this be... would be like the next best thing to or yeah, either I can't. Like I don't that. know if it's first place or second place. So like where right. I'd want to, I'd want to visit either yeah. that or. <laughs> The Yokai Cloud or mm-hmm. the Moss Eisley Cantina to yeah. see all those monsters. Yeah, so great. I I wanted to just I could probably sit there and pause that movie so many times just to stare at all the different monsters because I'm sure there's a ton that I missed. Yeah, I but was that too. Was, oh, <laughs> that's actually so much fun. Yeah, that's why I was saying beforehand. I was like, I really wish that this had sort of like landed on a Saturday and we could have just gone like, ah, oh, come over at noon and then we'll watch <laughs> that and then we'll watch all the special features yeah. and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that the uh, costume department was pretty stock full. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And all that stuff, I'm pretty sure most of it, if not all of it, was made specifically for this movie. It's not like oh, wow. they said, yeah. well, let's go raid the wardrobe from the 60s. You know, I was wondering that if there was, if there was other like creatures from other movies that they just kind of threw in, like, hey, we got this other thing that kind of fits in and just throw that in the crowd. I honestly think it's doubtful. Yeah. Now, you know, you guys know I love yokai. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I saw that this movie was coming out, I was ravenously searching for any information at, at all. In fact, this was actually back when Henshin Online was still a thing. And Keith Aiken and I were working together on some stuff for the Great Yokai War when all we knew it was called was uh, Yokai Daisenso. And like somewhere in this collection in the paper goods I have like some awesome like movie flyers for it and stuff like that. But uh, I love this film and it's funny because I, I always like it and uh, I think fondly of it. And then I forget about how much I liked it until we come back and visit it again. And man, this movie is so good. The one thing that I just kind of wish they did better is the ending. It's got such a weird, like, and I mean, the last minute of the movie is so. The ending ending. The ending the ending of the ending. Yeah. yeah. Not not the conclusion of the film, the conclusion to the conclusion. Yeah. Like. Set up for the sequel. (laughs) I guess, you know, and like the sequel that's never going to happen, obviously. But it's just a, it's an interesting, an interesting change from normal movie watching well i would say like the majority of the film with you know you got to take a little bit of weird because we're dealing with yokai and spirits and the culture that we're not part of right but the majority of the film is actually structured very similarly to you know american films or, or modern cinema and the ending just kind of is a little weird but it's not bad it's not something that i hate about the film uh but those are sort of my initial thoughts, just coming, literally turning off the movie and coming over here and sitting down. Let's talk about, uh, well, let's talk about what you didn't like about the film. Is there anything that, that you, let's actually start with Rachel. What I'm, didn't you care for in this film? Because I have sure. a feeling I think I know what it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I think this will be of no surprise to anyone. Um, but uh, I, the little creature, I 
kept trying to remember something to be able to remember how to say its name. But was it Shun Shuni Shuneko Suke? Shuneko Sure Suri? I I kept wanting to be like Susuma Kurobe, and I'm like, no, that's Ultraman. That's... <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yeah. that's good. Sune Kosuri. Sune Kosuri. Sune Kosuri. So, um, the little creature, I'm going to still call it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but, uh, but I was, of course, super crushed that it was tortured and turned into that robot even though i like robots and um <laughs> uh, what about when the whole flock of them get and then yeah i know i was gonna say in the beginning it was of course crushing i couldn't even watch it i i had to cover my eyes um because yes. i knew it was gonna be bad mm-hmm. but yeah, uh yeah it was it was kind of bad i mean in, yeah. in terms of just oh my gosh what is rachel not going to be ready for Mm-hmm. I think at the the part of the beginning, right, with the creepy horse face cow thing, whatever human thing, yeah, that said horror, horror. <laughs> you love that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh like, I, yeah. That this, was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Oh my god, what a cool puppet. But then, like, yeah, I, if you see show like adorable rodent like creatures mm-hmm. going to get mm-hmm. attacked mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. eaten. I can't handle that. I, can't, uh, yeah. I understand. I do I, understand. Brian knows to make sure my eyes are covered or distract me if there's yeah. any sort of rats that get hurt in movies. And they do that a lot in movies as if rats are some sort of uh, lower than lower class creature. I don't know. I don't get it. I think we may have mentioned it on an episode before, but I have to pre-screen all of our nature documentaries around our house <laughs> so that uh, they're not what Rachel calls real, ra- real nature, which is... I don't like real nature. Yeah. yeah. Anything violent or predatory. I don't really like that. Yeah. That there is... She wants animals to hug each a other food in chain. the wild. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I want everybody to hug and cuddle and sleep and play and yeah it's that's how it should be yeah that's those should those be. teeth and claws are sharp for a reason though yeah mm. especially the metal ones it's that are on the for, you're talking you know, the wrong uh, person yeah. she's yeah. never gonna accept no it. it's yeah um that's to play so with obviously that and, was that was the worst part for you yeah totally we don't need to we yes. don't need to step into <laughs> that even, tangent train yeah even like and at the end or part of it not quite the end you know it it seems like there's a lot of spots that could have ended towards the end um but um but when the creature's like fading in and out kind of and the guy can't see the yokai anymore Mm -hmm. um oh it's heartbreaking that's just (laughs) like oh god no so that was just a bummer but i didn't necessarily i mean it I think it's effective for the film that I, you know, you're sh- kind of coming back to that whole idea, but it's just a little bit too much of bummer town for me. Mm. You don't like the idea of growing up and not being able to see your adorable no, plush yoga. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, I, just, it's not that I don't uh, sympathize. Yeah, you know? it's brutal. <laughs> Stay young forever. Yes. Always be able to see your favorite creatures. 
<laughs> is that the message you got from this movie? <laughs> yes. That's the message in That's the right. Great Yokai War. No need That's to right. grow up, kids. No. How about you, Brian? What was your least favorite part, or what didn't you care for in the Great Yokai War? Uh, one thing that I r- disliked was, uh, well, and this comes with a caveat, the robot monsters. Sure. Robot uh, monsters. Their design is awesome. I think they look great, but the CGI was a little... I know it's from, what, 2004 or five? five? Yeah, 2005. 2005. So, I, you know, it's it's older CG at this point, but uh, some of that was a bit dicey. But I can totally forgive it because those designs were so cool, like the skull face monsters yeah. and... All that stuff looked great, so I, I I can't really complain that much. Yeah, I would actually say that I think the yes, the CGI doesn't hold up very well or as well as it you know, might hope. But I actually thought the CGI held up better than I was imagining it would for a mm-hmm. movie being produced in Japan in two thousand five because yeah. they spent some serious close up time on some of those like CGI beasts and and things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, I think it was good. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was all right and I, I don't have a problem with the effects, but they did they didn't match very well. That yeah. is correct. There was some CGI that looked really good actually. In, in mm-hmm. fact, there's stuff that you might not even recognize as CGI. Like there was a couple of, uh at one point they fly a yokai over, I think. And I think the yokai was CGI there. So, it was actually really well animated there. I, you know, you oh, the the long sheet ghost. Uh, that one. I don't think so. It was a furry ghost. It was earlier on. Oh, okay. I, gotcha. I think I'm guessing that it was a CGI shot. <laughs> it looked kind of CGI, but I was like, wow, that's actually really good. But yeah, the robots just uh, their animation was just maybe a little not smooth enough. But, yeah, yeah. But man, uh, that's at least there were a ton of oh, practical yeah. suits in this oh, movie. Yeah. I mean, it, this oh, is. Yeah. Obviously, a huge difference between you know <laughs> where we are today with stuff like Pacific Rim and the the age of the kaiju. Uh, I I really love. I think that's probably like my favorite part about this movie is just the fact that they made so many freaking yes. ghosts and goblins and yure mm-hmm. and I mean seriously, they hit like so many that are in the the lore that we can even learn about as yeah. as Americans. So I, I'm just happy that <laughs> – I'm just really happy that they made this movie. It's something – because I'm a huge fan of those old movies. Now, Rachel, have mm-hmm. you ever seen the original trilogy? I've seen one of them, I think. I, I don't think know if I've see- seen all three. Yeah, I think you've seen 100 Monsters. Okay, so mm-hmm. the first in the trilogy, Yokai, Hyaku, Managatari, uh, that film – I love that movie. And mm-hmm. it, these they're very similar to mm-hmm. the – Damajin films, as far as like you're dealing with, you know, someone not respecting or 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 doing something negative to yeah. somebody else, and then those repercussions come back via revenge. And uh, mm-hmm. instead of being a giant stone idol that comes to life, there are ghosts and goblins that take your revenge for you, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's really they're really awesome. And actually, I think my favorite of the three original ones is probably the third one, which is called Along with Ghosts here in America. But this is the one that I was trying to remember <laughs> um, earlier. The Japanese title. Yeah, it's a really long title. So uh, it's not something that I can just remember off the top of my head. But the title basically translates to Journey with Ghosts Along 
That's the hilarious. Hokkaido Road. Tokaido Road. Tokaido. Yeah. So um, it's a it's a really famous old highway. Yeah. We talked about it in episodes past a long time ago when we did our last yokai special back when Heather used to be on the show a lot. <laughs> <sighs> co-host changes um but uh this one uh is completely different like there's no way to really link this to the original trilogy it's just a great standalone film i think yeah um but of those original ones if you have not seen yokai desenso or spook warfare mm-hmm. you should check it out just so that you can see what the remake didn't do yeah <laughs> like, mm. yeah it's cool uh, and, you know, I love a lot of yokai films. And when I talked to Zach earlier this month, he told me about some others that I had never heard of before. So I've been looking for those. And, uh, oh, you know what? I just got Quite On, which is yes. this classic yeah. Japanese film that deals mm. with ghost stories. And Very Criterion just released it on Blu-ray. This should probably go in the news section, but eh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just got that on Blu-ray. That's a great flick. That's go a, Kyle. Yeah. That is a bona fide Japanese classic, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And it's an anthology tale. Um, You know, ghost stories and and the like from Japan are very unique. And there's something visually striking about them. They're weird as hell, these little monsters, like the dudes with the the long faces and the the guys covered in eyeballs. And, you know, the walls and, you know. Oh, that, that pops out and like says, his face. Oh, oh that I loved his, that. Yeah. yeah, his face was so expressive for a wall. I, mean, I know, it, it seriously. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someday I should show you guys like uh the books that I have to illustrate oh, yeah. how how uh-huh. far back in history these things actually do go. There's one book that's basically like a it's it's like an encyclopedia almost of artifacts and and paintings and stuff like that it's really That's cool awesome. and it's all nice. all has to do with the uh the yokai and supernatural of japan nice mm. they go to a museum in the film i assume that's a real place yeah so with um the, uh... if you're familiar with manga and anime you'll know that one of the most popular series in japan is gegege no kitaro that is a basically it's a yokai Car, like cartoon comic book mm. and the guy who made it is Shigeru Mizuki and Shigeru Mizuki created that phenomenon and we talked about it in the Zach Davison episode as well this is uh he created the yokai boom in the 60s oh, cool so basically he went around and found all of these places and like listened to everybody's tales of of what their local yokai were and sort of like bred new life, breathed new life into them. Because <laughs> the other way is gross. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he sort of like breathed new life into the yokai lore and sort of actually sort of fostered them into uh, mascot ships. So now they're like cute kappas every once in a while, like mm-hmm. Tanuki are adorable little statues and stuff, which have been around for a long time. But anyway, so that's Mizuki. So the place where uh, Tadashi was living is where he is from. And that street, yes, that is a, that is a real street. They really have those statues there. There's really a museum there. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I'm trying to find the location, the coastal town of Sakai Minato. 
Yeah, so I'm thinking that's where it is, but it would be awesome to visit, especially oh, yeah. when I'm there in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that would be awesome. That would be sweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys want to say about this film? Like, I would love to talk about it a little bit more than normal. Uh, we've sort of gone through what we liked, what we didn't like. Well, I I also enjoyed the the um how there was like the good yokai and kind of like the that group of quirky characters like sure, yeah. i always love the variety to any group of monsters when they have you know when they team up and they have some crazy bizarre personalities there but um but yeah that was a lot of fun with the river princess girl and the, yeah and yeah. um kappa and uh what's the red guy's name who I actually don't remember. Ipandatura? Um Oh, that was the guy. That was the swordsmith. Oh, okay. You're talking about the guy who had the red face and the right. red. Yeah, right? and yeah, and he and had the, the little long, hair that would dreads. Yeah, yeah, pop up like an antenna when the bad guys were around. That's what happens to me. That's why. Yeah. I, that's why I have long hair. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I think that his sense. name was Shoujo. <laughs> Shoujo. So, a shoujo is a kind yeah. of Japanese sea spirit with a red face and hair and a fondness for alcohol. Oh, <laughs> he is like you. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that scene a lot where they were in um, where the river princess had come out and um, and they were talking to the kid. And I don't know, I think it was just really charming and it was fun just to see them all hanging out and <laughs> yeah, it it was interesting that it was kind of through the perspective of the kid um because that's definitely not in the other yokai movies and it made yeah, it... kids play a much smaller role in i think only two of yeah. those films yeah yeah i thought that was actually like a really cool it's almost like the kid-friendly version of the yokai movies and i actually really enjoyed that i thought it was cool so. yeah this is totally like a family movie You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. the kid saves the day and, you know, has to learn how to become a hero kind of thing. You know, it's a coming of age picture, blah, blah, blah. He was a good actor, too, I think. I thought he was great. I mean, a really good job. This is, you know, unfortunately, this is one of those things that I kind of feel like Godzilla films have suffered, especially in the most recent eras, Uh, the direction and the I don't know what it is about it, but sometimes they're just not clicking. They're mm-hmm. not firing on all the cylinders. Mm-hmm. And, and Takashi Miike, as a director, I think he really knows how to get a good performance out of his actors and really knows mm-hmm. how to, you know, choose good material. I mean, this is this is a guy who's made more films. Actually, do you have you seen many of his films, Takashi Miike? I don't yeah, know. What, what else has he made? Um, well, that's the first one you might have seen, uh, if you're if we're not talking about the horror genre just yet. He did Zebra Man. Hmm. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. It's like a superhero, right? Yeah. So he's basically kind of like, yeah, the like a Japanese superhero, yeah. Sentai guy. Or I don't know about Sentai. I don't want to say the wrong thing, Mike Keller. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a he's a hero, and it's just a singular. <laughs> it was just a singular film, and they made a sequel, although I haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah, Zebra Man. It's Zebra very Man. good, actually. It's a it's a great mm. film. And it's sort of, it's, you know, it's almost like an origin story in a sense. It's great. It's really cool. <laughs> anyway, that's the first movie that I would say, like, maybe you know him from that. But he's made a ton of films. So uh, maybe you might have seen 13 Assassins. 
Oh, I've heard of that one. Um, I don't know if I've actually seen it, though. Okay, so 13 Assassins is a samurai film, um, and it oh, came out a few years ago, yeah. and it was it got some serious notoriety. Hmm. Freaking amazing film. Like, really great samurai film. Sweet. Um, he also did, uh, putting that aside for a second, putting the internet aside for a second, I will say he did Audition. When we're Now we're diving into horror, though. Hmm. He did this movie called Audition. That was the first film that I saw that he made. And that movie is messed up and awesome. Mm. Uh, he also did Ichi the Killer, which is another famous one. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, Visitor Q, if you like really, really, really bizarre messed up movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, because I heard about Visitor Q, that was like one of the first movies I heard about from him. I was sort of put off by what I had heard about the film and I was just kind of like, no, I don't think I want to <laughs> watch this guy's films. And then it took people telling me, what? You haven't seen Ichi the Killer? Or It's awesome. You should totally watch it. And, and then I did. And I was like, okay, that's great. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Takashi Miike does a ton of stuff. I mean, the guy works, which is amazing. Oh, he did One Missed Call. That's uh, basically One Missed Call. If you've never seen a Japanese horror film, right? Mm-hmm. Watch One Missed Call. It gives you like basically everything that are, that happens in a Japanese horror film. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah. Got an abandoned hospital. It's got a long-haired ghost. All sorts of stuff is in there. Hmm. Anyway, so Takashi Miike is the director of this film, and he's very prolific in Japan in the fact that he does stuff like he goes and taps a genre film or, you know, does the Zebra Man film and does this, you know, Yokai War film. I think it's fantastic, and oh, I, yeah. you know... I kind of wish he would do some more genre stuff because I thought this was a great movie. And like the way I really felt, you know what I say about connecting to the the cast and stuff? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt connected to the guy who wanted to see the water princess again. I felt connected to Tadashi. I I felt connected to the grandfather. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really well done. Really well done. Lots of good characters. Great villains, too. The, totally, the yeah. Two char- yeah. The two villain characters. Oh, yeah, man. he knows how to work his cast. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And, and you know, he just did another one called Yakuza. This is off topic. I apologize, but he did one called Yakuza Apocalypse. It's been making some uh, film festival rounds. Mm. I'm dying to see that. Norman England was a set photographer on that movie. Nice. He might have been the cool. only one. I'm not sure. But he, um, he took a bunch of photos and he was posting them online and I was like oh my god what movie is this and then I've got to see it now nice yeah hopefully I'll be able to see it mm-hmm. uh, I mean I don't know we could talk about yokai stuff too like uh, <laughs> but we could also just get along and move on to our final thoughts so I kind of feel like I just spilled my final thoughts guts right there <laughs> uh, Rachel what are your final thoughts on the great yokai war um, something that I thought was great was just seeing different versions of some of the yokai I'd seen in Hundred Monsters. Sure, yeah. Um, just the new designs, like of the guy with the blue head, oh, um, you know, and like the straw body, like kind of hula skirt, like body, like that guy where his head is all huge and then it shrinks down because they can't see from behind yeah. him. Like, and then even the sense of humor in the, the movie was exactly great. The it, it was a lot of film, really yes. funny stuff. So, um, so it is just, it's fun to watch and I enjoyed it. And, um, and it was definitely, it captures your imagination as well. So good movie. Yeah. 
I agree. I thought it was a really great flick, and I was kind of blown away by the amount of like suits and masks, and the those effects were so good, and the the overall design of it. It looked so fantastic, and the the floating city, all that. Oh, it was really, really, really good. If you like the original yokai movies, and you haven't seen this one, you gotta check it out. So, so would you show this to someone who has not seen any yokai films? Do you think this is a good introduction to? Uh, and there, yeah. and keep in mind, there are not a lot of yokai films out right. there, at least not that we can get a hold of. But would you? We always ask, is you know, would you show this to a kaiju newbie? Would you show this to? Someone who's never seen any any uh, yokai stuff. I think I would. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they all all of the yokai. Well, the other trilogy and this one, they definitely all stand apart. Where you don't need to watch, you know, you don't need to watch them in order or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty great. I think the 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 best one to show to someone would be a hundred monsters, but this one was really good. So yeah, it's a good one. Well, they're all. They're all great. They're I mean, great. I'm not yeah. kidding. Like <laughs> the original trilogy and this one, uh, I should. I actually, I've never seen the live action Gege no Takitaro film before, but I really want to. Maybe someday. Maybe someday it'll <laughs> it'll happen. I probably just need to find it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm ready to move along to our next, our, our you know, our listener homework, and this listener homework segment is amazing. Because for the first time, we have more audio submissions than we have written homework, which very I, cool. Well done, listeners. Mm-hmm. Keep that up, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to start things off with Christopher. Hi, my name is Christopher, and I'm going to be giving my review of the Great Yokai War. It was kind of a haze, honestly. I mean, just from just the visuals, a lot of them, they kind of weirded me out. Uh, the story, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, as, as long as you can get behind the audacity of it all, you know, get that suspension of disbelief eventually. But yeah, the, the, the only real part that really freaked me out was just like near the beginning. The end was, was okay. Like near when we got close to the end, it wasn't that freaky. But, on the note of the ending, I feel cheated. You, you, you know, you have this thing with him growing up, and then it's it's really sad, and you you want him to reunite with the with the little Pikachu thing. That's what we call it. This is little Pikachu, and you know you don't have that, and then you have the Satan dude, and, and then it's that's the end. That's bullcrap. My father said that that is the that is the theme for a lot of Japanese films, and I said. Well, that's why I don't watch them. <laughs> I mean, if you're into that stuff, fine. But uh, for me, it felt like the the end of Toy or that one scene in Toy Story two. It's like, where's the ending? They never finished it. That's what it felt like. I felt cheated. But uh, the 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 CG was okay, obviously. But the that kind of worked in its favor for the scare factor, the, the creepy factor, it had the uncanny valley-ness to it. Although the physical effects were great, I'll admit. I mean, sometimes the makeup might have been a little eh, but um, like the actual creatures and suits that they made, those were great. Especially the, the Kappa guy, that that looked great. He looked, he looked better than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the Michael Bay's 2014 movie. <laughs> Yeah, also, Beans saved the day with happiness and farts. 
spreading them across the world. And yeah, the ending left me cheated. Beat Takeshi seems to have a habit of doing this. I saw the JonTron review of the game Takeshi's Challenge, and it had a similar ending where it was just like, it, it left you kind of like, you took me on this journey, and what'd you give me? Nothing. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I felt on it. Uh, but that was my review of Great Yokai War. If you like war films and don't mind the crappy lesson slash ending, then this is for you. All right, just a quick note though. Beat Takeshi and Takashi Miyage, two completely different people. Although I did say Zatoichi and Beat Takeshi starred in Zatoichi, the yeah. movie. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if that was what it was called. Zatoichi, the movie. He was in one of them. There's, there's yeah, like I know. Okay. That's why I was joking about that. It was a bad joke. I get it. And they're not all winners, Brian. They're not Sorry. all gold. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Danny. First off, Kyle, I want to thank you sincerely for bringing back the Yokai specials. Your previous two have become Halloween traditions for me and started me on my Yokai obsession. Since hearing those first two episodes, I've since accumulated a collection of Yokai movies and books and have even written a college paper on these creepy spooks from the East. I owe you big time, and I thank you, man. Now on to the movie at hand, Takashi Miike's ever so strange but ever so fun, The Great Yokai War. I adore this film from beginning to end. I tracked this one down after seeing Dai's original stellar trilogy, the second of which I have a particular fondness for. However, aside from a few plot similarities and homages, this updated take is a remake in name only. This time the villain is the creepy Lord Yasunori Kato, a character who has appeared in several other Japanese films including 1988's Tokyo The Last Megalopolis, instead of a certain chicken-legged Babylonian vampire. Opposing him is Little Tadashi, who was played by Rinosuke Kamiki, whose voice Studio Ghibli Miyazaki fans may recognize from playing giant baby Bo in Spirited Away, a film filled with yokai-esque beings. Similarly, Bunto Sugawara, who plays Tadashi's senile, azuki-bean-obsessed grandpa, voiced Kamaji in the same film. The whole film has a definite Miyazaki flavor to it, but owes far more to the immortal works of Shigeru Mizuki, whose magical touch can be felt throughout the movie through his involvement behind the scenes. Mike plays Make Sure to Pay Homage to the, to, in this film to the man who made Yokai famous by showcasing a Mizuki museum, sneaking in a Kitaro reference or two, one of which was great involving Itan Momen, the flying scroll, and even featuring a cameo from Mizuki himself. What truly sets this film apart from other yokai films is the sheer number of apparitions that appear in the film. This movie has to take the record for the most monsters ever to besiege Tokyo, as there are, quite literally it seems, millions of them. Seeing the waves of yokai appear for the big party then ride the wave of the explosion was hysterical, especially seeing the Abarasumashi holding on to Karakasa for dear life as he did in the original Spook Warfare. The comedic elements, creepiness of the original trilogy, a great cast of yokai protagonists, the use of puppets makeups, makeup, and a truly astonishing number of performers in suits, the borderline insane plot, the overwhelming cuteness of Sunde Kosuri, and I'll throw Aki and Kawahime into that category as well, and of course lots and lots of Azuki beans. <clears throat> all come together to create one heck of an entertaining, uniquely Japanese fantasy film. As originally intended, this film was to have been the first in a series that Katakawa hoped would become a major worldwide franchise for families in the vein of Harry Potter. Unfortunately, the lackluster box office performance of the following year's Gamera the Brave killed any chances for follow-up yokai adventures, as well as Mikkei's proposed Daimajin film. But at least this film got out the gate, and who knows? Maybe we will get another yokai adventure in the near future, especially with the current resurgence of Japanese monsters. Happy Halloween to the crew of the Kaiju Cast. Bring on next year's yokai attack. First up, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Did you just say Takashi Miike wanted to do a Daimajin film? 
Now, I know that I got out of the kaiju genre for a little while, but that's something that I felt I should have known about. (laughs) (laughs) Why did no one tell me? Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Always a pleasure to hear from Danny, and uh, you're very welcome. I'm very, very happy to bring back the yokai specials. I don't know if there's enough content to do it year, like make it a yearly thing, but it's always fun to like dive into this and and play the creepy yokai episode intro and hopefully <laughs> man hopefully dude you are enjoying this month uh next up we have another new submission from kevin oh yeah yokai edition of the kaiju cast gotta love it when you guys do shows that are something a little different from the usual godzilla gamera gappa kilala stuff oh god you guys aren't gonna get any listener submissions for this episode are you uh, I guess I should do one. So, Great Yokai War. It's a good one. On one hand, it was part of this whole revival movement that was going on shortly after Katakawa picked up Dai. Like, we had a Gamera movie, we had a Daimajin TV series, we had this whole Zatoichi revival, even though Katakawa wasn't really involved with that, and G.I. Samurai. You know, there were remakes everywhere, and Great Yokai War was definitely one of them. But it wasn't just a look back to the Yokai Monsters movie franchise that Daya had put out during the 60s. It is, in fact, also a callback to a previous franchise that was distributed by Toho, of all people, uh, namely the Teito Monogatari, or Tales of the Capital series, better known in the U.S. for its anime adaptation, Doomed Megalopolis, But I'm sure a lot of uh, kaiju fans would be familiar with it for the first movie that did get a distribution under ADV film, Tokyo The Last Megalopolis, you know, directed by Akio Jisoji, the guy who did all of the best Ultraman episodes. So yeah, in Great Yokai War, your main villain is Yasunori Kato, the main villain from Tokyo The Last Megalopolis, and you get sort of a continuity there, even though he's no longer played by the same actor and no longer dressed like Vega or M. Bison from Street Fighter. Actually, that guy was based on him. Okay, just a quick quick aside. Uh, I've never seen this Tokyo Megalopolis movie, but I recognize the name and I recognize the character now Mm -hmm. from the trailers that used to be on the ADV, like, VHS tapes and stuff like that. Yeah, when uh, the when the when it was said in the previous entry there, uh, it clicked for me. I had seen that movie, and so oh, right on! Like, cool. Oh wow, yeah, that's the same character. So, all right, back to Kevin. But wait, the franchise crossing over doesn't end there. This movie is also just chocked full of stuff referring back to Shigeru Mizuki's classic Gegege no Kitaro, from the fact that they go to a Kitaro museum, to the fact that Mizuki actually appears in the movie at the very end as a king of the yokai. I think that without this movie, we probably wouldn't have gotten those two live-action Gegege no Kitaro movies that we did the following years. I mean, we had... the uh, various outings from Tomo Haraguchi were ahead of this. But I think that Great Yokai War probably made a bigger splash than either Sakuya or the Kibakichi series. And definitely more than Death Kappa. As for the film itself, it took Mike a year of his life to direct, and this is a man who tends to make multiple movies every year. And it shows on screen. I mean, the effects are 
fantastic. The direction's really good. I enjoyed all of the human drama elements, and man, those technological monstrosities that are fusions of yokai and other monsters, and oh boy, I am out of time. <laughs> That's literally how it ended. <laughs> That's, nice. awesome. That's awesome. I'm not even going to cut that out. Right on. Well, thank you, Christopher, Danny, and Kevin for sending in your audio homework. Really, really very happy to have more of those in the show. We'll have more details on how you can submit your audio homework right after we finish the discussion. Uh, next up, Michael says that being a kaiju fan, you think you've seen some of the weirdest creatures Japan has to throw at you. But that's nothing compared to what they have in their folklore. The Great Yokai War is a nice little homage to Daae's original yokai trilogy from the late 60s, and it's just an overall magical film with great visuals. Many of the characters were also memorable, especially Kawataro, the Kappa, who Michael found much more hilarious than Death Kappa. Me too, man. <laughs> Tadashi is also a great character, given that he is a young boy dealing with his parents' divorce, and that he is then chosen as the Kirin Rider. Not to mention, he's also played by the same kid who played the nipple-biting monster in Big Man Japan. This idea of a child going from the bottom to being the savior is also shown in episode 15 of Ultraman Max, which was also directed by Takashi Miike. Even though this movie was targeted to be a family movie, as the trailer stated, there are some gruesome scenes, such as the scene involving the calf with the human face, saying that there's going to be a horrible war coming. The villain, Yasunori Kato, is actually the creation of a novelist in 1986 and is not an actual villain from Japanese folklore. Actually, I would kind of argue that now, I mean, you're talking about f almost 40 years ago. I guess that's 30 years ago, right? Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's really approaching folklore, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. He's not an actual villain from Japanese folklore. It's kind of like making a movie with ghosts and creatures from our mythology and then just throwing in Dracula or Freddy Krueger in the middle of it. The yokai that get kidnapped by Kato are turned into mindless machines, which can be said about Japan forgetting their past and being wrapped up in so much technology. Also, reminds me a little bit of GMK's whole thing, right? Like That's forgetting true. your past. Yeah, That's very right. true. In the end, the yokai go home after an entire night of partying, which is kind of what Halloween is, if you think about it. Spirits arising for one night a year to party only to be gone the next morning. Michael gives The Great Yokai War four out of five stars. It was so much fun watching this movie. Uh, and then he had a question for Martin, but he's not here tonight, unfortunately. He had to work. Mike Keller says that Takashi Miike has more films under his belt than there are call centers in India. The man cranks out movies like Taylor Swift cranks out ex-boyfriends. The thing to remember about The Great Yokai War is that this, the movie where a warrior child, turtle spirit, river princess with duck feet, and a red-faced dude combine forces to fight an army of stop-motion metal monsters. Do you think they were supposed to look like stop-motion? Hmm. Maybe that's um... what they were going for. That would explain the herky jerky. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. the clunkiness of it. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. All right, I'm I'm on board, Mike. Keep talking. So the thing to remember is that this movie is among more of his mainstream efforts. The most Mieke-like moment in the film is when a police officer accidentally shoots an innocent person in the head, and this is supposed to be funny. I think I did laugh at that when it happened the first time <laughs> I watched it. But I'm sick in the brain. Mention, of course, has been made of yokai scribe Shigeru Mizuki, 
who cameos in the movie and whose interpretations of Japanese folkloric monsters set the standard in the collective consciousness. The other person who needs mention is Mizuki's friend, Hiroshi Aramata, the creator of the Taito Monogatari series, known over here as Doomed Megapolis, and the arch-villain Yasunori Kato, an evil immortal sorcerer whose soul can never rest until Tokyo is destroyed. This is equivalent to George Lucas letting his friend Steven Spielberg borrow Darth Vader to be a villain in one of his films. Mike notices some clever product placement for Kieran Beer and some references to Gay 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 no Kitaro and Gamera. See, this is where Mike wanted to say something clever about people in Katakawa films only having knowledge of pop culture produced by Katakawa, but his research showed that Kitaro has never been owned by Katakawa in any way. Just imagine that Mike said something clever here, because he usually does. Mike also notes... Again, what's with the single-parent families? Okay, seriously. (laughs) He also wonders, could this have been the last use of stop-motion in a film as a special effect, as opposed to the puppet movies like James and the Giant Peach and The Corpse Bride? I don't think that was stop-motion. Yeah, I don't think so either. I didn't get that vibe either. I thought it was CGI, but... I'd have to look at it again. I'm pretty positive it's CGI. I mean, I'm assuming Mike's talking about the robots. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah. Do you have a voice for them? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, robots. CGI. <laughs> CGI robots. <laughs> not stop motion. Mike knows that Kato lives for destroying Tokyo, but it is not really clear on what his ultimate plan was here. What was going on with the chamber he threw himself into at the end? He says, let's just pretend Wikipedia doesn't exist, okay? You're not supposed to have your devices out during the film or management will ask you to leave. So, I actually think that basically what happens is that that thing, that vat or whatever, that chamber, that strips away everything that's not evil and hate. And mm-hmm. and so what he was doing is he killed Agi because she had love in her heart for him. And when he did that, it made her hate him, which is what he really wanted. And so mm-hmm. after he did that, He's killed the love in her life, the the warmth and the goodness in her life. So now he's going to turn and strip away all of his love and anything positive in his afterlife. I don't know what you'd call that. And jump into the the vat, jump into the chamber. And then his hatred is going to fuel the Yomotsumono and then basically destroy Tokyo and probably the world. There. That's the uh, that's the official reason, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> mm. Mike acknowledges a good portrayal of Agi by Chiaki Kuriyama, best known as Gogo Yubari in Kill Bill and Chigusa in Battle Royale. Mike wonders if she has a workout video. Mike, man. <laughs> Mike likes the final shot in the film because it destroys the maudlin effect they appear to have been going for. And he does not appreciate it when movies try and tug at his heartstrings like that. Probably because he has no heart. <laughs> but if people are really... Thank you for laughing. If people are really concerned about cute furry animals, then they should just spay and neuter their pets. There you have it. That was our Daikaiju discussion homework for The Great Yokai War. A fantastic film. And if you haven't seen it, you should really check it out because it is awesome. And I'm surprised that we only got five submissions in. Although, 
like earlier in the Kaiju cast history, five submissions would be pretty good. You know, <laughs> uh, this tells me though that there aren't a lot of people that own this film or have access to this film, and I just think you should rectify that. Make sure you pick up the Great Yokai War. You know what sucks is it used to be available on demand. Mm-hmm. Like Comcast actually had it back when I was dating Jody. We were at her house some, one time, and she had the little what do you call those DVR things? I think you call them DVRs. Anyway, she had one of those and uh, we were flipping through the stations and I was like, what? They have the great yokai war. I made her watch it. Uh, All right. So there's no homework for November, right? So no homework at all. Don't send in any homework. Don't watch a movie because there's no movie. Don't watch any movies at all in the month of November, you guys. None of them. Uh, but no, if you wanted to go ahead and get a head start on your December homework, you're more than welcome to do that. That movie is going to be King Kong Escapes, which is yes. available on DVD and Blu-ray here in the United States. If you want to watch the dubbed version, I mean, that's what we have here in the States. If you want to watch the subtitled version, I think you could probably track one down online. They don't seem to be that difficult to find. Anyway, if you want to do your homework for King Kong Escapes, This is so weird to even talk about right now. You're going to want to turn that in well, well, well before the end of December because of Christmas stuff. Uh, I would just say your best bet there. Have your homework turned in by December 21st to be included in December's Daikaiju discussion. It's so weird to even do that. And if you want to call your voicemail in, you can do that. There are three rules. Rule number one, don't go over three minutes. Rule number two, don't swear. And rule number three is try to have your talking points hammered out ahead of time. Now, the number to call is 786-505-2458, but you can also email me an MP3 file if that is what you would like to do. You can send that to controller at kaijucast.com. Audio homework is absolutely not required. That's just a perk of being awesome people that we are here. So you can send it in via uh, via text as well. There's a handy-dandy contact form on the KaijuCast website, and uh, that's going to do it. We are going to talk, a, well, we're going to talk about a couple of news items. There's really not too many out there, and that's probably a good thing because it's kind of late. So uh, first and foremost, we could talk about The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror. I have not watched it yet, so that's pretty much all we do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What you, tell, tell us a little bit about The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, uh, Kaiju Connection. Well, the, yeah, the second sketch was Homerzilla. Sketch, or would you call them sketches? I guess you'd call them segments. But either way, the second one yeah. was Homerzilla, and it was a massive Godzilla uh, reference with a lot of shots taken at the American, the two different American versions that were made. So. Yeah, oh, really? It was okay, pretty yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that's like we have Hulu, so I should be able to watch it on Hulu. So I just have not done so yet, but uh, I've had a million people ask me if I'd watched yeah. it. <laughs> it's season twenty-seven. Good lord! <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, another thing that happened somewhat recently. Uh, media and entertainment related. We had the Gamera movie marathon the same, same day that Mm -hmm. we went to Dr. Tongue's. uh, I had that shop and 
that I gotta say, it's just so much fun, right? To sit there and watch mm-hmm. movies and know everybody is like watching along with you. I did some live tweeting. I did watch a lot of the films, and you know what is really cool? <laughs> this is just me being a dumb, like techno ignorant person, but uh, I got a Roku, and so the Shot Factory channel was on is on the Roku, and they didn't have that really playing on that. You could go and watch it on YouTube. Or you could watch it, what I did, which I thought was amazing. So I have my handy-dandy iPhone here, and I loaded up the YouTube channel that was playing that. And then I pressed a button, and it automatically streamed it to the Roku so I could sit there and lay in bed and watch the Gamera movies on my TV. That's awesome. We live in the future, and it is lovely. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, that was awesome, and I had a blast doing it. Big thanks to uh, Shout Factory and the the company that was working with them for reaching out and asking the Kaiju Cast to be involved. That was fun. They sent me a copy of August's book, A.G. Subaraya, Master of Monsters. So now I have like twenty copies of my own. <laughs> awesome. Um, just kidding. I just have four, I think. <laughs> uh, and then there's some other little, you know, chintzy things inside the box, too. It was fun, though. It was really cool. And um, I already have a list of movies to do. Do you want to hear what my list of movies would be, you guys? If, yeah. if in fact, Shout Factory were to listen to me, which they should, right? I mean, oh, I've yeah. got my finger on the pulse, mm-hmm. literally putting my finger on my wrist to show off that I have a pulse, I guess. Um, yeah, so Shout Factory this time, it started at 8 a.m. on Saturday and then went until probably about 11, mm-hmm. or maybe midnight. I'm not exactly sure, but it was 11 different movies, right? So I said, well, let's use that as the as the gauge there and let's come up with 11 movies that they should show for the next Kaiju movie marathon. And I think I have a super... Super good list here. Ready? Mm-hmm. Rodan. Yeah. The Mysterians. Mm-hmm. Mothra. Yep. The 61 Mothra. Gorath. Mm. Atragon. Mm-hmm. Matango. Nice. Oh, yeah. Frankenstein Conquers the World. Sweet. Daimajin. Mm-hmm. War of the Gargantuas. Mm-hmm. Destroy All Monsters. Sweet. And Space Amoeba. Those should be the movies that they play on the next one. You know why? Because everybody's got the Godzilla movies. Everybody's got those. These movies, I think you'd be able to get more people to tune in by not showing all Godzilla movies and not showing Mm -hmm. all Gamera movies. Like just saying like, hey, look, we're doing this thing. If you haven't seen these films, this is the way to watch them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really cool idea. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like it. I support it. Man, it's like you guys are on my team or something. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to move along to the next news item, which unfortunately is not a great thing. Um, you know, the the guy who painted a lot of the posters in this room was Noriyoshi Orai, and he just passed away just the other day. So mm. um, the only good thing I will say about this is for the past like 24 to 48 hours, my Facebook feed has been filled with Orise poster images and nice. and Tumblr mm-hmm. too. It's been kind of touching and uh and uh, I'm not going to go into a big thing like I did after Kawakita died, but 
really Arise posters and his artwork absolutely pulled me in. If it wasn't for those posters, I probably wouldn't have been as interested in what the Heisei films were all about. And then who knows how long it would have taken me to get into Godzilla. So uh, obviously thank you to Noriyoshi Orai. And uh, if you ever have the opportunity to see his work, it's gorgeous and chaotic and it's fantastic. And it's not just all Godzilla. He did some really amazing stuff in the sci-fi genres uh, he did an amazing Mad Max poster. He's really famous for an Empire Strikes Back poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, seriously cool stuff. And um, yeah, his I, I'm just gonna say like the world is not as awesome because he is uh, he is gone. So uh, don't want to end this on a downer note, though. You know that would be that would be not cool, man. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and just sort of like close out the show. Uh, I had a really awesome time this month working like towards making the entire month, a yokai spectacular (laughs) spooktacular, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get a yak attack in, but man, I think pretty much everybody who listens to this show probably also has the same issue. October is a crazy busy month, (laughs) right? Like just crazy busy. busy. There's so many things to do, so many people to hang out with and so many movies to watch. Just a quick little tiny yak attack like snippet. Yes. I have been watching vintage horror movies. So when I grew up, my parents were like, nope, this kid's not going to watch any horror movies. He's not going to know about monsters, not going to know about scary stuff. And they really protected me (laughs) with their iron wing. Uh, So... When I got older and in, you know, high school, that's when I started watching scary movies. But it was, you know, at the time when this is well after like the slasher movies mm-hmm. were big and stuff. So for even longer, I never watched horror movies. And so there's this massive chunk of my life that I've never seen movies from. And that includes stuff before my life as well. So like the 50s, the 60s. I had really only seen the Universal Monsters stuff and a couple of other things peppered here and there until you hit like the 80s, mid 80s. Then I started seeing a lot of horror movies. There are a ton of films that I just have never seen. And after talking with people like David Dofko, mm-hmm. Nick Gucker, uh, Derek Cook, I am starting to want to see more of these films. Nice. So I like reached mm-hmm. out to a few of my friends, uh, Derek and Nick and David and... Uh, a friend of mine named Kelly online. She knows a whole bunch of like classic vintage horror stuff too. And I was like, Hey, can I get like a top 10 list from you or just a, a big list of awesome movies? And I have been plowing through these films, Mm. man. I have, I mean, this is basically, you know how busy I am. So like I turn in the, the, I do all the work for Rachel and miles podcast and I have to turn that in by Wednesday. Once I turn that podcast in, then I'm like, I have free time to watch movies. And so I'll still wake up at the crack of dawn and watch a horror movie. Nice. I'll stay up late in the weekends and watch horror movies when I don't have to do that. I have watched Hands of the Ripper, Horror of Dracula, The Devil Rides Out, which is awesome. Dr. Terror's House of Terrors, Curse of Frankenstein, Asylum, The Mummy. Now, this is the uh, the Hammer Mummy. I, right. Hmm. I still haven't seen the Universal one. The House That Dripped Blood, Tales from the Crypt, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, 
which is real good. The Curse of the Werewolf, also really good. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, also really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brides of Dracula, thoroughly enjoyed that. Except <laughs> Dracula in that movie was <laughs> silly. But uh, then we watched Kiss of the Vampire and we watched The Mummy Shroud. So, nice. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. I, the, and, and there's way, I mean, there's more. I, mm-hmm. I, there's still three days left in this month and I'm going to squeeze in as many of these as I can in the, you know, in the month. What, what decades are you focusing on? Mostly sixties. Nice. There's definitely been some from the fifties and there's just a couple from the seventies, but really the sixties is where the meat of these are from. Nice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very happy that, that I'm, I'm going to be able to like say, Oh yeah. I remember that movie. Uh, anyway I think that's pretty much it I don't think I need to cover anything else on this episode Uh, there's not really a lot of news out right now plus we just did a major news episode if you haven't listened to that it would be episode 156 we are going to close the show out with one final track and man you know it would not be a yokai spooktacular if we did not play the Azuki Bean song. <laughs> so we will see you next month for a couple of very special episodes. And uh, until then, Jamata.
The Great Yokai War, which is named... Why did I say it like that? Great Yokai War? Question mark. (laughs) The Great Yokai War. (laughs) 